1: What's happening? Welcome to All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The name says it all. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, download, and make sure you leave us a five-star rating. Five-star rating on all Apple podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. Just visit youtube.com slash All Things Covered. Pat P, what we gonna cover on this episode?
2: Yo, Mac. you know, we got to cover the big win over the Giants over this weekend. Also, our upcoming matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles, who look like they found their starting quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Uh, yes, sir. Plus, we're going to go down memory lane a little bit, talk about our uh, college signing days, and we're going to catch up with our, one of our teammates, both of our teammates, Antonio Camardi.
1: Well, listeners and viewers, you know what time it is. First quarter of our show, it's time to chop it up. Pat P and the Arizona Cardinals travel from the West Coast to the East Coast to face the New York Giants. But before we jump into that ball game, plane rides, team plane rides. Listeners and viewers, you know, when you talk about traveling with your team, especially a long trip across the country, there's a lot that could happen. And what we're going to do in this segment of chopping it up, we're going to take, bring you guys into our world when we're chartering a plane filled with nothing but people from our organization and we're going to give you guys some cool fun stories about team plane rise and pat p i know you got a big time story for us because you guys just travel across the country to take care of your business against the new york football giants but fill the viewers and listeners in on team plane rise
2: oh man team plane rise uh to me is what i look forward to throughout the year when it's time for the season to come back around again. Um, it's Honestly, it's nothing like a team playing right because everybody's, that's within your organization. So, you know, the plan is technically yours. You know what I mean? So, you know, guys just, you know, up, hooping and hollering, you know, watching a game, film, talking about fans.
1: Real family. quick, Pat P, you said guys are up, hooping and hollering, right? Hmm. And tell the listeners and viewers how overrated it is when you're on a plane and they tell you, Sit down, put your (laughs) seatbelt on because they're getting ready to take off or turn your put your phones on airplane mode because they're getting ready to take off. Tell the listeners and viewers how overrated it is, because I know when we used to travel on our team uh, playing in Pittsburgh, that was never told to us. But tell the viewers and listeners how overrated that is.
2: Man, That's very overrated, man, because none of that stuff matters.
1: They let you do whatever you want to do.
2: Yeah, you know, as long as we're sitting down once the the flight take off and land, you know, we can still be doing whatever we uh whatever we uh, wish to do. But going back to this plane ride, I was uh blessed enough to be the DJ on the way back home. So yeah. Oh, so
1: y'all had music on the plane.
2: We had the actual ones and twos
1: on the plane. What? <laughs> like a you mean like a turntable? Yeah. Yeah, man. That's how we do it. And I already know, you know, you, you in your afterlife, Pat <laughs> P, people don't know you really love DJ. That's, that's like, yeah, that really gets you going right there when you right. get in the turntable.
2: Man, I love that music, man. So you provided the
1: music you. for the entire plane?
2: Yep. I let my, what you had, which, man, what was on the playlist? 80. Oh man, I had a little bit of everything. I had a 90s, 90s vibe going, had a little R&B going, then, you know, I had to get into my 20 bangers, my 2020 bangers, had a little Drake mix going. R.I.P. the way I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but uh Mo. Mm-hmm. Mo, I think his name is, the guy who uh got killed in uh Dallas, uh rocking a little bit of his music, some young Joe. I mean, you know, you know my hey man, you know my catalog catalog is crazy. So it's I nice. had it all going. Rose, shout out to Rose. I had some Rose rolling, DJ Khaled. I was ready. I was locked in.
1: Man, now that's the first time I've ever heard basically having a DJ system oh. on the plane and being able to bump the music in route home after the victory. I know that had to have been an outstanding experience. Oh, yeah. So everybody was jumping. And you know what? Shout out to Coach uh Cliff Kingsbury, allowing you guys to have the leeway to do that. A lot of coaches might not, you know, want the entire plane to hear everything that you guys or a few guys are listening to. So shout out to Coach Cliff.
2: Hey, but, you know, we're blessed enough to have one of them double-decker planes, man. So everybody.
1: You know, oh, y'all had a double-decker. Ooh. That's how we travel. We
2: always have a double-decker.
1: Ooh. Big double. Big time.
2: That's so big time. Back,
1: oh, you lay all, all the way back. back. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's
2: what's up. Y'all boys big time out there. You feel yes, me? Sir. What about your playing rides, man? I know, I know you got some crazy ones
1: too. Oh my goodness, man. You already know Pat P. I can talk about the card games that uh that we used to have especially for us you know anytime we would travel from the east coast to the west coast it was a big deal because we didn't have a lot of those trips uh primarily in one season i'm gonna say the card stories for another episode but definitely and then you got some card stories as well because i'm the one that put you on Blu-ray, and we got some Blu-ray stories that we're gonna tap in on a later date but
2: on uh, hey, a later date for sure.
1: <laughs> no question. We we got some heavy hit we got some heavy hitting Blu-ray stories, oh, but we're gonna tap yeah. tap in on that another episode. But for me, our plane rides was so fun, and that's when I first realized that sit down, put your seatbelt on, we're getting ready to take off, what's overrated. Because for us, the right. card game was already going before we even took off. I mean, you got guys leaning over the seat. You got guys walking down the aisles. You got guys rolling dice, shooting dice. You got a lot going on. So that's when I realized, yo, anytime I, you know, fly as a normal individual, that's overrated. Nobody cares anything about the seatbelt because they don't care anything about us wearing the seatbelt whenever we take off on a team charter. But the one thing I used to love about our plane rides, my rookie year, Jerome Bettis, Hall of Famer, my first time flying with Pittsburgh preseason matchup, I can't remember who we were playing, but we had something what we call the grab bag, right? The grab bag. Oh, yeah. And what the grab bag was is everybody who gets on the plane, they have an option of putting at least $20 in a bag. Mm-hmm. And if you're a player, you write your number on that $20 bill. And if you're a part of the, the team, like a trainer or a coach, you write your initials. And the same can be said for the media personnel as well. So everybody had an opportunity to put at least 20 dollars in a bag now for the big steppers on the team you know the big the big pocket guys they, they might get they might put man. they might put 500 <laughs> worth of 20s in the bag to try to in, in, improve their chances in winning right. so what the the trick about the grab bag listeners and viewers was is the, the the flight attendant we'll pick a flight attendant and what she'll do uh she'll shake the bag right and she'll go in and whatever bill she pulls out if it has your number on it or your initials on initials. it guess what The bag is yours. Pat P. They used to call me rabbit foot, bruh. First, (laughs) the first official trip and mind you in preseason, Pat, you know about this. The rosters are loaded. It's about 90 people on the Mm -hmm. roster. It's deep, Mm -hmm. right? So the first official road trip, I remember we got our little, uh, travel money. I think it was like $42 or $62 or something like that. Right. It was like, everybody got to put, you know, put, put your $20 in there. I'm like, man, I don't even want to do this, man. I don't, man, this is dumb. You know what I mean? I'm like, nah, right. I wrote my, I wrote 20 for 20 because I wore number 20. I put my $20 on the, on, on the, on the, on the bill, my 20 on the, on the $20 bill. JB, Jerome, he got it. He gave it to the students, the fight attendant. She's shaking up. She's shaking it up. She pulled that thing out. Guess what number she called? 20. She called 20, that's, oh shoot, I won, <laughs> right? So the second, uh, road trip in the preseason, remember you play two home games, two away games. Two the the second, the second home, uh, second road trip, the same thing happened. Same process. I'm sitting down. I'm like, man, it's, all right. I'm going to just do it because everybody doing it. I got to do it. She, sh- she shook it again. Pull <laughs> yeah, <back> out $20. <laughs> 20. So everybody like, what? Man, it's a rookie winning again. So they made a new rule called a BMAC rule. If, if a rookie wins the grab bag, they got to pull another number so he can split it with a veteran player yeah, cause they got mad that's at me what I was winning. Yes. I was
2: going to ask you, that's what Joey Porter used to do, uh, with us as
1: well. Yeah. He, of course, <laughs> of course, Peasy know about the situation because Peasy, you know, we used to do it in Pittsburgh. Right. So they, they got mad at me because I kept winning. I won the first two road trips. So they made, they re-pool. I split with Brett Kiesel. Shout out to Kiesel, You know, my guy, but I felt some type right. of way. So mind you, we go through the entire <laughs> season, right? We go to the Super Bowl plane ride from Pittsburgh to Detroit quick plane ride could have been about 45 50 minutes but because we were playing the Super Bowl everybody got the bonus checks and things like that the the money increased so you instead of putting $20 then you had to put at least $100 in right $100 oh, yeah. bill right so you know the big steppers on the team they were putting in $500 worth of 20 so now they're putting like a band worth the with $100 you know what I mean? they're trying to improve their chances so our good friend your hometown friend Tyrone Carter, right? He said, man, B Mac, boy, you real, hey, he said, B Mac, man, you real janky, man. He said, you know what, man, I've mean, been, I, every time I, every time we do something, bro, you always seem to win. He's like, man, I said, well, my uncle told me when it comes to gambling, the same people always win. He said, man, you know what, man, let's go have. I said, what you mean? He said, bro, if you win, I split, but if I win, we split. So I'm like, okay, cool. Ain't no pressure. So we put a, I put 100 in there. He put hundred in there so same process went the flight attendant she shakes the bag comes out she called tc number which was 23 23 tc jump up i jump up they're like mac you didn't win i said lie (laughs) you tell bro we went in half on this bag so we went we split it and mind (laughs) you listeners and viewers we we were extremely generous anytime i won, i always tip the flight attendant big time gave a nice tip but on that super bowl trip Back because everybody was so happy we we're going to Super Bowl, man. Me and TC split probably like eight thousand dollars. Mm. We split eight thousand dollars just from the grab bag alone. Oh, and, and 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 you know when we got to the hotel, you know what time it was. <laughs> we're not going to dinner. We going straight to the gambling room because we had a room in our hotel that was just for gambling. We going straight to the gambling room. We had the dice game here. We had the tonk game here. We had the boo ray game there. And I said, I, I'm already, I'm, I'm winning. I can't lose nothing today. I just want to grab bag. Whoever want to play against me, good luck. Cause I'm not losing nothing today. Man, listen, that's when I knew we were going to win the Super Bowl. We had to win the Super Bowl cause I want right. to grab bag. <laughs> More of the story. Oh, man, anytime you fly, man, try to incorporate the grab bag, man. It's a great opportunity <laughs> to get some unexpected money unexpected money uh,
2: yeah, I, might, I might have to I, have, I might have to incorporate i might have to bring the, the grab bag back out man
1: Man, yeah, bring man. the grab back out to the boys and az man make everybody tap in man tap in right now. now it's time for cardinals check in and here's where we recap the most recent ball game with the arizona cardinals that ball game was this past sunday 1 p.m kickoff new york uh, against the new york giants in new york Big opportunity for the Cardinals to get back into the winning column. They were able to do so. Pat, watching the ball game, I mean, defensively, I think that probably was your best defensive effort. Uh, You sacked Daniel Jones six times. Uh, You end up getting Colt McCoy two times for a total of eight sacks. Hassan Reddit had the game of his life. Going into this ball game, he only had five sacks on the season, yeah. right? He finished that ball game with five sacks. This man got double digit sacks. I don't even know if he ever had double digit sacks in his entire professional career. And this is a huge achievement for him when it came to the overall team, you know, expectations and being able to provide a huge win for you guys. But also they declined his fifth year option. He was a first rounder a few years ago from the University of Temple. Uh, they declined his fifth year option. So he's in a contract here. So this was a huge, huge opportunity for, uh, Hassan Reddit, not just as an individual, but Team effort as well, but man, where did, where did this defensive perform, defensive performance come from? Because no one thought you guys would dominate like you guys dominated against the Giants.
2: You know, it was just, you know, we we were dialed in, you know, just all week knowing that December is the time where you need to, you know, catch your stride, you know, to finish off the season strong and hopefully get into that playoff going into the tournament hot. Guys were, were definitely dialed in, honed in on their assignments. Um, and just, and just had the, they had just had the ears pinned pin back. You know, it was a, it was a beautiful thing to watch, you know, from the back end to see those guys just stop the run. Us able to collapse, uh, um, a pocket for Daniel to make it hard on him to make those throws. Murphy played a outstanding game. Dre played a good game. Um, you know, I just thought it was a, a great all around performance for sure as a defense. So, you know, we got three more games left in the season. We got to keep it going.
1: Yeah. And his previous sack high was four. So he was already uh above that number going into the ball game against the New York Giants, but he clearly improved on, on, on that area of his ball game. And Daniel Jones, you know, played play in the game. He didn't really seem healthy. I felt like Colt McCoy probably would have been a better option for them. Clearly, for you guys, it didn't matter who you were playing against because your defensive front dominated in the trenches. Looking at some of these numbers, Pat P. The Giants had 159 yards of total offense. They're fewest in a game since 2013 at Carolina. They're fewest in a home game since '06 against New Orleans. Uh no Giants player had more than three receptions or more than 40 yards receiving. So based on those numbers and based on the eye test for me watching the ball game, you had a boring ball game. And I you know what, Pat P, I don't think you're complaining about that because like you said, the guys in the first and second level were eating so much. She didn't he didn't leave any crumbs for the guys in the secondary. But talk about the mentality when you see the front dominating and the linebackers flowing around, you know, making all the plays. What do you need to do just to stay on your P's and Q's and not underestimating the team you're going against because they didn't have any success from start to finish against you guys?
2: Well, you know, my whole mindset is just stand focused for 60 minutes. You know, nothing else matters. Only thing that matters is me getting the job done and helping my guys uh achieve our goal, you know, for that three and a half hours or however long we're in that stadium. That's the only thing that matters. And when I was younger, you know, I kind of fell into that that trap of like you said, getting bored and You know, sometimes, you know, a team would catch me trying to lure me to sleep and get that, you know, that deep ball on me or or things like that. But, you know, those are lessons that I I learned at a young age and um, never wanted that to happen again. So just staying locked in, completely focused for 60 minutes, um, three and a half hours during the duration of uh, the time that we're there at the stadium. But, you know, just just trying to find a way and just always being locked in, staying in the moment.
1: Yeah, and this win, you know, got you guys – put you guys right back in the playoff conversation and after winning this ball game the locker room vibe did you guys you know go to a monitor to see exactly what some of the other teams were doing that you're fighting with to get into the playoffs
2: no not really because you know at at the end of the day you know all we can do is focus on ourselves yes we dug ourselves in this hole that we're in but you know we still have to win ball games yeah i mean now like you said we in the uh I think we are one game ahead of the team. That's teams that's are that are behind us. Mm-hmm. So all we gotta do is win. You know what I mean we're 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 back in per se in the driver's seat at the seventh seed and all we have to do is just win the ball games that, that we have in front of us. You know, we can't we can't worry about, you know, anyone else or what they're doing. Um uh, if we was probably in that eighth spot, yeah, you have to worry a little bit more about what other teams are doing. But now that we're back in the playoff pitcher in the playoff um um the tournament as of now we just have to win the games that we have scheduled
1: now it's time for the Eagles look ahead matchup preview to say the least this is the next ball game for the Arizona Cardinals the Philadelphia Eagles they just played against an NFC4 in the New York Giants right after the Giants you got another NFC team in the Philadelphia Eagles and I can tell you this much there was a lot of uncertainty with this ball club a few weeks ago clearly spiraling in the wrong direction but with the blink of an eye things changed, right? You make a change at the quarterback position. You insert a young rookie, athletic rookie in Jalen Hurts. And they did the unthinkable this past Sunday, Pat P. They upset the New Orleans Saints. And I think New Orleans Saints probably was playing some of the best football in the NFC. Defensively, stout unit. I mean, they had a crazy stat. They had not allowed a 100-yard rusher in the last 60 contests. They allowed two. Miles Sanders went ham. Jalen Hurts went ham. And I think looking at the flow of the game, and I was able to watch that game uh, also – Jalen Hurts just provided some energy for their offense. And remember the offensive line wolves and the pass catching wolves, uh, they weren't able to do anything, but they insert Jalen Hurts and it seemed like the morale of the team changed for the better. And now you guys have an opportunity to see Jalen Hurts in person. You're an SEC guy. I know you, I know you watched a lot of Jalen Hurts when he was at Alabama and clearly a, a year ago, cause I know you love college football as well at Oklahoma. You haven't really been able to tap in to that game against the Saints, but just understanding and knowing. You played against a young quarterback early in the year in Tua Tungava, right? And Jalen Hurts, I think he's more of a natural runner than Tua Tungava is, and that has to be a part of his game for them to be successful. But talk about the mindset when you're going against a guy that can run the football well, but he does not mind running the ball if need be.
2: I mean those those dual quarterbacks are definitely hard to cover, man, especially when they actually have a good arm with it. Um, you know, those hards are, those guys are hard to prepare for because those unstripped plays are, you, you can't practice that. You know what I mean? You just have to go through your mind all the times. Like if you break the pocket, try, try my best to stay plastic to my coverage. You know what I mean? So I haven't had, well, I watched a little bit of a uh, Philly offense, but I didn't watch the, um, uh, the Saints uh, game, the, the New Orleans game yet. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be kind of um, intriguing to see um, the different styles that that they're running of offense versus with Carson. Yeah. With Jalen. So, but yeah, seeing, looking at his numbers and seeing what he did in that ball game, statistically, it looked like he had a hell of a first. Game yeah. Start.
1: 167 yards through the air, one passing touchdown, 106 rushing yards. He had one costly fumble, uh, that they were able to bounce back from. Um, but he joins Lamar Jackson as the only quarterback since at least 1950. To have 100 plus rushing yards in their first career start, so he's a dynamic player. And the thing that I love about Jalen Hurts, he just goes about his business and he does it the right way. He never complains. He understands the moment. He embraces the moment. And even going back to his collegiate days, remember he was a starting quarterback as a freshman at Alabama. All he did was win ball games, and then lost his job to Tua Tongue of Valoa. Never complained, and eventually they ended up calling his cell phone right back to come bail him out. He jumped into that ball game against Georgia, bail him out transfers to Oklahoma, and just balls out. So this guy has been nothing but a winner. And I think this is going to be a real big challenge for you guys because this is a huge game for both teams, right? We just talked about the playoff picture. You're currently back in, and they're trying to fight not just for a playoff spot. They're trying to win the division, most importantly, for the uh, the Eagles. So this is a huge, huge game uh, for both organizations, and it starts and stops in the trenches. I just talked about the pass rush you guys provided uh, against the Giants. If you can do the same thing. I mean, look out. I mean, you guys can definitely cause a lot of damage. And it starts with the pass rush. And looking at the pass catchers for Jalen Hurts, you know, I don't know if there's a guy you potentially would be following. You have young guy like Jalen uh Rager, first rounder from TCU. You know, you got vet and Alshon Jeffrey, who was back in the lineup. He caught a touchdown on a back shoulder fade against Marshawn Lattimore. Do you believe you will be following any guy or just lining up on your left side?
2: Uh, I think I'll just be lining up on the left side. Yeah. I haven't got any. Messages or you know any up, uh heads up about you know traveling to a receiver, so it looks like I'll probably be on the left side for the most part,
1: and you know what Pat a lot of people don't understand the difference between a left corner and a right corner, and usually, and I'll let you break this down, put your coaching hat hat on, but when you play left corner, what does that n- mostly mean for you being a left corner?
2: well when I'm at left corner, I'm just honestly just paying attention to formations and and splits, you know, versus if I'm I have an opportunity to travel with a guy, you know, trying to pick up small tendencies on with the receiver. If uh, you know, how like I said, like I talked about the splits, how close he is with the uh, to another receiver, how close he is to the line of scrimmage to get the route concepts down in my head. Versus if I'm going up against have a matchup, yeah. Now I have to figure out, you know, what they do well, what they don't like when he motions. When he's at the number two at, uh, at the slot uh, receiver, you know it's a little bit more detail going to, um, just you know, covering the left side versus playing, uh, having a matchup.
1: And also too, most teams put their best cover guy on the left side because most quarterbacks are right-handed. So you yeah. know, it's it's, an, it's a natural flow to instantly throw to your right side, especially if you're in a panic situation because you know, as a right hander you you tend to look to that right side more so than right. your left First. side. And that's always been a, a smooth tactic for a lot of coaches and a lot of defensive schemes being able to put, you know, your best cover guy to the left side because they might get target more so than the right corner. But in a National Football League, you're going to get target. There's no way around that. But usually that has it used to be the old say so when it came to uh position players when where you put certain players on the football field defensively. Now, listeners and viewers, this is a segment where we usually tap into news around the league, but this is a special week. You know what the week this is? This is Christmas before Christmas when it comes to college football. National signing day is Wednesday, the early signing day period. And I know I got a big story about my signing day experience. I know Pat P has a a signing day experience story as well. But we would like to share with you guys our signing day moment and before we share with you guys, make sure you stay tuned with us. We got Antonio Cromartie joining us later in the show all right after a halftime break. Don't worry. He will have a lot to say. So make sure you stay tuned to, to check out the conversation with Antonio Cromartie. But before we get to Antonio Cromartie, we got to get to signing day. Pat, you came out, what, Blanche Ely High School, what year? Was that 2008? 2008. 2008. You were the number one rated corner in the, in the nation. Uh You had all the options available for you. as far as uh, universities to attend, but what, how did that process go for you? Did you have like a big gathering at school? Did you have, you know, the TV cameras there, you know, what was that experience like for you?
2: Uh, My experience was uh, actually kind of, so going into my sign today, everybody knew who I was going to sign to because I played in the army, the U S army, all American bowl game.
1: Oh yeah. You made your announcement during, during the game, right?
2: Okay. Right. Right. So I had, um, forgot the teams I had up there i think it was like florida l s u and miami I think who the third Florida state is. It, it could have been Florida state I think it was Florida state yeah and i picked uh picked my uh my team on on um on uh, on national t v with uh what was his name tom tom lugan lugan
1: lugan What's bill it? I don't
2: wanna... yeah lugan bill. So, Lugan uh, bill yeah i had my family my mom my dad yeah, I my remember head that. coach uh my sisters um, yeah, so that was an awesome moment. Then when I actually signed my letter of intent, uh, in February, that's when we had like a whole shindig at the school. Cause that was actually back when I was coming out, National Sign Day was after the season. It was like the first week in February. Um, so I signed, signed, uh, made it official and signed my letter of intent to LSU. It was huge. It was, uh, we was all in the, uh, in the, uh, in, in the auditorium there at, at, uh, at Blanche Healy. And then it was a, it was a nice outing. Had fun. Um, with my friends, you know, you know, you see that moment for the guys when you're a freshman on school on, on campus. Like, had an opportunity to see um, my cousin Walter um signed to Auburn and see him go through that process. So it was a, it was all, it was awesome feel, feeling to finally, you know, be in that position to know that you, you know, where your future is going to be for the next three or four years.
1: The three hats you had: Florida, Florida State, LSU. That was the okay. three hats. I thought it was four yeah.
2: state.
1: Yep. Yeah, that was the three hats. Well, my experience, clearly the time was the same. National signing day was after the season. It was usually in the beginning of February. And we did a little uh a gathering in the media center uh at MacArthur High School in Hollywood, Florida. And I didn't really come to terms about the school I was going to to attend until the night before signing day. And I remember uh I needed to go get like a nice little shirt. Uh I dro- I drove to Burlington Coat factory. Marshal? I went, oh, you went no, to I went to, I went to Burlington. I went to the Coke factory. You know, you get your nice deal at the Coke factory. You know, back in those hey, you know, days.
2: back in the day, Marsh used to have them, them good deals
1: too. Now. No question. The polos <laughs> and the Nauticas. Yes, sir. The yes, polos sir. and the Nauticas. So I, I, I drive the uh, Burlington Coat factory, got me a nice little shirt. I think it was like a Sean John shirt or something like that. And uh, on the way home, driving home, I started really think about the process. I'm like, man, it was, it was clearly between Miami and Florida State. You know, I was getting a lot of a lot of uh, pressure from a lot of hurricane fans down there living in South Florida. And I remember when I got home, I called uh, Travis Johnson, who was uh, the number one D lineman in the country that year. We visited Florida State together and he was thinking about going to Michigan. And I and I basically I, I when I was talking to him, Pat, I was like, man, you know what? Tallahassee is where we need to go. Man, we trying to get That's to right. the league. Tallahassee, Mickey Andrews can prepare us to get to the league. And I I literally talked him into t- signing with Florida State as well. And, you know, and he was in the West Coast. He was in L.A., so he's three hours behind us. So he's like, man, Mac, don't lie to me, man, because if you're not going to Florida State, I'm not going to Florida State either. So I told him, I said, well, I'll sign before you because I wake up. We're you know, we're three hours ahead of you. So literally when I got to the school, I didn't tell nobody else. Nobody else knew I was going to Florida State, not even my parents. So we got to school. It was like the entire school was off. It was like a holiday. No one was going to class. Everybody was, you know, because I was a, a big deal. You know, I was the number one corner right. of the country. So everybody was, uh, we had some other guys that were signing to other schools and they saved me for last. So I had three hats. I had, well, technically I only had one hat. I had it in a box. That's what I had. I, it was similar similar to my Florida State hat right here. I had it in a box and uh, they introduced me, you know, they gave uh, all my awards and accolades that I accomplished throughout my high school career. And we had a whole bunch of Miami Hurricane fans in there. And they had the uh, the local news, you know, South Florida News, Channel 7, uh Channel 10. They were all there, and they saved me for last. And I was like, man, you know, I was nervous, too. I was, like, literally shaking because, you know, you had to – they they faxed the paperwork in, right, for you to sign. I was literally shaking. Man, I opened the box. I pulled out the Florida State hat. You had half of the room was jumping for joy. The other half was passing out, going crazy because I had a lot of Hurricane fans in there. So, long story short, man, that was an unbelievable achievement just to have that opportunity to go to school. Right. And play football and get a free education was something that I know I dreamed of as a child, because all I want to do is play football and being able to share that moment with my classmates, the entire county. You know, my family that was there was something that was, was something that I would never forget. And I tell if I can have a message to the recruits right now, please cherish this moment. Don't take it for granted, because there are only a few individuals in their lifetime that will have an opportunity to pick whatever school they would like to attend for the next three or four years. Understand how important that is and make the most of the opportunity. Now it's time uh, to go, in and go into the locker room, make a few adjustments, you know, hydrate. And when we come back on the opposite side of this quarter, we will have Antonio Cromartie joining us, talking about his professional career, collegiately and professionally, and talking about life after football. Make sure you stay tuned.
0: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome back. Fresh out of the locker room from halftime. We got a chance to hydrate. We promised you guys early in the show another special guest. And guess what? We got our nickel package in the game. I'm going to go ahead and slide to the inside because we promised you guys a special guest, right? And this guy used to be on the perimeter locking down wide receivers left and right. So, They can play whatever side they want to play. I'm going to just go ahead and slide on into the inside and play this slot corner. But we got an outstanding guest joining us right now, former Florida State Seminole, my former teammate back in Tallahassee, 11-year NFL vet. First round pick in 2006, four time pro bowler, first team all pro in 2007. Dude had 31 career interceptions, including a league leading 10 double digit pick season in 2007. At Crow 31 on Twitter, at Antonio Cromartie 31 on Instagram. Antonio Cromartie making history right now in all things covered because you're the first corner we had, we've, we've had on this show as a guest. So that's history in the making. But like I said, man, I'm 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 a slide inside, man. Crow, what's happening? Which how you been? There?
3: Man, I'm good, man. I can't complain, man. Just just chilling with the family, and just and just and trying to get see what's what's the next move for myself, man.
1: Yeah, you got know, the, the lot, you know. He, I got the lot, <laughs> you know. He, hey Pat, you know he Leon County, man. You know how the <laughs> boys. do <laughs> out know boys, hey, straight Leon County. No question. Speaking of Leon County, you were born in Tallahassee. You played yeah. high school in Tallahassee, Lincoln High School. Um, the recruiting process was hectic for you. You were, you were the best corner, best DB in the nation. And you know what's funny? Man, it's, it's this, I gotta, I gotta throw this out here to the listeners and viewers because all three of us oh, played really? corner, right? <laughs> but all three of us was the number one corner in America <laughs> when we came out of high school, right? Yeah. Think about that. Man. The number one, we all were number one in our position, all number one in the secondary. So, hey, man, we yeah. did something right. We did something yeah. right coming out of high school, <laughs> right. but we're the lost. process was, was hectic for you. But Florida State was down the road. I mean, did, were there, did you have any other legit options, or was it Florida State from the beginning to the end? Well, people don't
3: understand. I wasn't even, even going to Florida State. Yeah? I was going to Michigan. I was on my way to the big house. Because, you know, you know, during that time, everything was going on with AD. Mm-hmm. Adrian McPherson. So during that time, I was like, man, I ain't going to go to that school with everything that's going on there, how they handling my boy. It's like, man, it, first, you get a black quarterback, and now they want to treat him wrong. I was like, man, I'm gone. So, I mean, honestly, Florida <laughs> didn't recruit me until – Two weeks before signing day. Really? They didn't recruit me until two weeks before signing day. Look, I was I was on my way to Michigan until Michigan messed it up. What they did Michigan do? Man, listen, Lord Carr and uh what's his name? Uh he was a DC back in uh in uh Detroit. Black dude, uh Terrell, Terrell Austin Austin. He was my he was my recruiter. Oh, yeah.
1: uh-huh.
3: and they showed up they showed up to my house oh, three hours late, bro. Wow. And, Hey, my mama, my mama went, hell, like, man, y'all think y'all finna get my son? Man, hell no, nah, y'all can leave. <laughs> like, hey, didn't even sit down, How no, didn't even sit down and have an in-house visit. My mama told them they can leave. Man, I'm like, right. man, well, they got my options. So it was either, it was, <laughs> from that point of time, it was either Florida State or Miami. And then Miami dropped me from their recruiting, uh, list, uh, a week before my visit.
1: Cause they knew you were coming to
3: Florida State. Nah. Man, Florida State won't even on, listen. Florida State so won't even on drop line. you. Okay, so you know, I got a phone call from so- Coach Solinger and Coach CJ at that time when it was a coach, mm-hmm. uh, and Coach Solinger on the phone crying, man, <laughs> on the phone crying, talking about, man, we didn't drop you for your, we, we, um, they want to drop you from the recruiting list. I was like, all right, cool. He's like, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's been said. I don't know what what's been done, but they said they don't want you. Uh, to play uh, D.B. Forrest. I was like, all right, cool. I'll see y'all as, uh when <laughs> I go to Florida State. So that's when I decided to go to Florida State. Uh, but Florida State wasn't even on my on my visits. Like, wow. my mom made me put Florida State on my visit. I was like, well, I need to go visit Florida I, State. I've been on the campus every single summer.
1: I remember <laughs> I remember you on your visit, too, because it was you uh, where was the re- receiver that went to, uh, it was Ernie, Ernie Sims, the receiver that went to Florida. Sam.
2: Caldwell? Uh, uh, um Andre?
1: Andre, Andre Caldwell, yeah, yeah I remember, I
3: remember Andre, that weekend. I
1: remember uh, Amp, Amp Lee,
3: yep, from Jacksonville, from from, Jacksonville. Uh, uh, from uh, Coastal, from First mm-hmm.
1: Coast. Yeah, I, I remember that weekend. And Big Cuz, Big Cuz, shout out to Mario, man, yes, Mario Anderson, man, he was on that trip too. Yeah, Big Cuz.
2: So, Crow, tell the listeners, man, how did participating in track help you uh, in high school and college uh, become a football player?
3: One, I hated track. <laughs> I hated track, man. I hated track. I was good at it, but I hated track. Though I was, I ran, I ran the four hundred meters. Man, you yeah. know what that four hundred do yeah. to? That, that's
1: you a dog. That's, that's and a dog. I went, no well, <laughs> I went forty.
3: I went forty five, forty five, eight in high school, bro. Mm. I hated track. But the thing about track was nobody could sit there and tell me I ain't run the time that I needed to run. No college coach could ever come to me and be like, "Hey." I need you to run a 40. Man, I ain't run no 40. Man, you better look at this 400 meter and this 200 meter and these 110 hurdles that I ran. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like the competition side of the track, man, is totally different from the football side of it. So I think that's why I fell in love with it a little bit. I hated it, but I love it at the same time because, man, you know, you face up against guys like Xavier Carter. I ran against Justin Gatlin on the 110 hurdles, man. I man, do beat my head in. I think he went 12 <laughs> 9. I went 13 5, man. And the dude wasn't even even a hurdler. The dude was a 100-meter runner.
1: Yeah, So you know how that be?
3: I'm a guy that ran the 300 hurdles, 400 hurdles, and also ran the 110 hurdles my whole entire time running track. And this dude come out here and run 12-9 in high school or 13-1 in high school, something like that, at a state meet, and then walked off like it was nothing. Man, but, man, I think, like, people have to understand what what track does for a football player. Like, I felt like I was a football player more than I was just a track runner. Like, one, it taught me how to breathe. It taught me how to, when I need to accelerate, when I needed to decelerate, especially on that 400 meters. You know what I'm saying? Like, 400 meters taught me, okay, I'm going to run the curve and I'm going to stride the rest of the way until I get to the 160 mark. Then I can explode and hit the curve like I want to and let the, let the curve carry me off. But it was just like, you know, when to use your speed, you know, when not to use your speed with track. And that transferred over to the football field more so than anything. Like, I was never tired. So it was just like to a point of, if I wanted to act high, it was just a point of just trying to bait somebody to throw the ball to me. But it just, it just taught me how to breathe. It taught me how to recover faster than everybody else that was on the football field because everybody else didn't run track. So if you didn't know how to breathe correctly and can't gain your breath back quicker than everybody else, man, you're going to be, you're
1: going to be ass out. That's just yeah. how it was. No doubt. Well, Crow, you tore your ACL and voluntary workouts going into your junior year in the summertime. And I actually was out there because I had just got drafted and I came back and was working out with you guys. And you were a two-way player, you know, especially in high school. You used to love – anytime we were doing the DB drill pack and Coach Andrews needed a wide receiver, especially in the red zone, 13 always wanted to hop out there and try to maul somebody. He was going to give you a great look now because he's going to go all the way in and trying to catch the route. Uh, that they was throwing, but Crow, you tore your ACL playing wide receiver. And I mean I told you stop getting out there and letting these boys cover you, man. You, you about to go get paid yeah. Tore your ACL. How big, how big of a blow was that for you, especially with the expectations that so many people had for you going into that year and getting hurt in the summer, not even being able to play the entire season?
3: Well, I think just coming in like that year, man, I, I bust my behind that just the off season. just from a standpoint, I went from 220 to 203. Mm-hmm. so you know how Mickey is. He, hey, you're going to play at 220. I'm moving you to safety. <laughs> so <laughs> Mickey Andrews I ain't played no game, but so it was just a point of, like, you work so hard. You go through all when they had the Playboy All-American, all that stuff there. So you go on all these visits. I think two weeks after that visit, I told my ACL. Uh, after come back from that Playboy All-American, uh, shoot, the expectations of, like, okay, I got this for myself, but I know what I want for the team. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to make sure that, hey, I give, a, I give us a... Better chance. Cause that way, that year I was supposed to be a two way player that year. So I was right. going to play offense and defense that year. Just working out, dog. It was just like something you go, I jumped in the air and basically hyperstanded my knee. I'm just going up for a jump ball. Nobody really around me. The dude that was covering me actually didn't even jump with me. Came mm-hmm. down, hyperstanded my knee. And I remember, man, I was like telling myself I told my ACL. I knew I toured. it. Before any of the trainers, anybody got there, I already knew I told my ACL. I ain't never felt no pain like that in my life. And, uh, like, just sitting down and talking to uh, Mickey Andrews, talking to Coach Baum during that time, man. And it was just like a whole – like, the whole building just had – just caved in after talking with them, like, the expectations they had for that year. And people don't know this, but I was actually finna leave. I took my cleats off and everything, and the DB asked me to go. And I put my cleats back on just for one last run and went on that. But it was just like going through that process, man. One, it humbled me because at the end of the day, you know how we get, man. You get all these the accolades start coming in, people you start reading your own, you start smelling yourself. But man, it was for me, it was a humbling experience because it just taught me the how to deal with adversity and also how to look forward and set goals like i was a person i never really set goals i was just a person that's you know for me it was just like i'm gonna just go play ball because i was better than everybody else you know so it was just like for me it, it humbled me it's like hey do you, you gotta humble yourself mm-hmm. so that year was most the most humbling experience i ever got i was up at five o'clock in the morning during the off season I mean, say during that time just to go up into the meetings with the coaches just so i can learn something different so that's how i actually learned how to play Well, watch film with Mickey Andrews and those guys, so it was like a learning experience, also a humbling experience at the same time.
2: Well, what you missing that whole year, that entire year? Did you and going 19th overall in the 2006 mm-hmm. draft? Could you ima- imagine that scenario happen for you after tearing your ACL? Well, I
3: already had a three year. I, had, <laughs> I told Coach Bond and I had three years, and I was going. No matter what kind of year I was, it was going to be no matter what. And that's regardless. just, I mean, I was got guy, I'm the truth. I was three years and gone. Um, but no, I didn't imagine it being that way. People, I got a fifth round to a seventh round grade when I came out. Um, because just because nobody knew anything about me, you know, I got to think I played in 25 games. I only had one start in my whole college career, like one start in my whole college career. So I didn't know what to expect. My thing was, if I can show that I'm healthy, I can go out and go run a four three or a four 40 I was cool. Cause I felt like the DBs that was that were in that was ahead of me, I felt like they weren't better than me from the beginning. Who were some like of the I DBs was, in that class, bro? So uh DBs that was drafted before me was Michael Huff, uh Dante Whitner, Jason Allen, Ty Hill, those four corners. I was the field corner taking.
1: Yeah. So those, Ty, four, Ty those four went
2: DBs,
3: to the Rams, right? And to the Rams, Jason Allen went to Miami. Yep. Right. And what's uh um, Dante Winner was at uh Buffalo, right? Buffalo. Yeah, he was at Buffalo. So those four DBs went in front of me. And then I think after me was Jonathan Joseph at 22, uh 24 to uh Cincinnati.
0: Cincinnati.
3: So it was it was 6 DBs taken in the first round that year. But I felt like I was better than the first four that was in front of me anyway, but I just didn't play. So nobody had, nobody had no true film on me. Like every coach that I talked to during that process, going into the combine and all that stuff, only thing they can do is watch practice film film from that year, because I came back and started practicing, I think three and a half months after my ACL tear. So that's the only film they got from me the whole entire time was that practice film. And they had to go back and watch sophomore tape.
1: And at that Miami game sophomore year. Oh In yeah, yeah, Bowl yeah, Bowl. Bowl. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that Miami game, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was definitely big, man. Uh, me and you play for the same coach, Coach mm-hmm. Mickey Andrews, living legend, right? What's your most memorable Coach Andrews story? <laughs>
3: <laughs> mad, man, you know what? You know Remember this. Is. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's hear. It. Let's, hear it. let's hear. So it. listen, we. I just came back off injury. Like that same week, I think it was a week before we played Miami. I had just came back into practice, and I ain't practiced really the whole entire practice that day. Mickey Andrews called me, "Hey Crow, get your some sorry some bitch ass in there uh, at at goal line corner." (laughs) I'm like,
1: "What?" Hey, but Crow, before you tell a story. Please tell us, I don't know what what kind of goal line formation they had when Pat was at LSU, but please tell the listeners and viewers what we had to do as a goal line corner. It wasn't like we were just out and about. We had to get involved. No, no, no. Hey, more and, and, it was,
3: listen, there was no receivers. Mm-mm. No receivers. Oh, you're going to get in that heat, stick your face in the fan, or, or you're going to be on the sideline with him, and he's going to be spending sunflower season and, and chewing on bubble gum at, at the same time. But – I come in, I come in and I make a a cut play, and I actually get back up to make the top and get ran, slap over. Get ran, <laughs> get ran, slap over, and re injure my hip flexor all over again. So I'm on the ground. I'm on the ground like screaming because my hip hurting again. Here come Megan Andrews. You sorry some bitch don't get your ass up. Ain't nothing wrong with you. Man, be my clean. I jumped up so fast. I said, damn the injury. I jumped up so fast and, and about to grab Mickey Andrews. He's going to be mad. No, nah, don't do it. Don't do it. Said, man, hey, Pat.
0: I said, no, what's Crazy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Yo, I, told, I told Mickey Andrews, you know what? I'm going to receiver that week. I said, I ain't playing no more DB. <laughs> yeah. I'm going over to receiver A. Here come Jeff Down over there. Hey, Jeff Down on the back end. Yeah, hey, Crow, we can use you. He ain't using you over there. We can use you over here. <laughs> hey, alright man, I had switched position about six times at Florida State my freshman and sophomore year, man. Crow <laughs> went and play receiver, on, that, his that, that play receiver like, on his own. That part of like, Hey, man, listen. Mick Andrews, man, I almost fought Mick Andrew by six times.
1: It was a lot of people almost fought Cole Andrews. That's the man, thing. Man. that he, he took you to a, a whole nother level. You didn't even mentally. know you had. Mentally, yeah. Mentally, though. Like, and, and, and,
3: then the physical part, yeah. it was the mental part of the game where he challenged you the most. <sighs> Listen, I, I remember my freshman year, my very first practice, I jogged from the other side of the field, and I walked the last two yards on the field. Oh, damn. Mm-mm. This man made me back crawl for the next five minutes. I'm talking about the whole field and I, and I better get down there in a heartbeat, full pass on helmet on everything. Don't even get, Hey, you get back down, you better get back down to to the blown
2: Yeah.
3: It was just like his challenge, like prepare everything for any situation in the game. Like you never got flustered into in, in any situation. So it was just like. Man, I got Mick Andrews. I ain't trying to screw up. I ain't trying
1: to mess up. Oh, no. I
3: ain't trying to do right. nothing.
1: Cause I man, know what's going to happen. We used to be out there when we used to be playing and we'd be dominated and, and packed. We had goals. So if a team got over 300 yards on us, that's mm-hmm. a full gasser, right? If they got right. like, if they scored more than 16 points, 15 points, that's a full gasser. Man, we used to be like, man, listen, man, we used to be scoreboard watching, not watching the other people <laughs> scores, but watching how many yards we gave up. Cause we knew regardless right. of the outcome, he was gonna try to. He was gonna try to slaughter us on Monday, man. And yeah. and, and them
3: fake suicide times that he was oh, over there oh giving us. Man, Everybody make it. make it. Ain't nobody <laughs> make it, man. What? <laughs> you ain't running fast enough, Crow. B Mac, Crow, man, you better run. Like, bro, I am running. Nah, so hey. you ain't running fast
1: enough. Come on, hey, man. They's because because of, all of each other. See, out but the I ain't fast. running fast enough. Man, he's a habit, but He's a habit of top. a habit four pack. Let's transition to not your rookie year but 2007 right your second year in the league and uh i remember i remember it like it was yesterday man because i'm like when well, this man crow is in the zone double digit picks 10 picks in that year uh just talk about that vibe that you were in i mean i mean clearly you were just the rim was the size of the ocean for you You couldn't miss <laughs> right you were getting yeah. a pick it seemed like almost every weekend if i'm not mistaken you were not even a starting corner because y'all had JAMA and Drayton, right, in 2007. Yeah,
3: my, my, my first start was the Sunday night game against Payton. That was my first yeah. From the start.
1: Yeah. So now we're going to talk about that play because, you know, we had Odell on last week talking about his <laughs> catch. But, heck, man, you had a great catch as well. We're going to talk about that play as well. Right. But getting 10 picks, not even being a starting corner, man, what kind of vibe were you in? And, and at what point in time did you realize it was going to be a special year for you?
3: Honestly, man, shit, man, I almost didn't make it that year. Be really? honest with you. Yeah, man. I was just out of it mentally. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so much was just going on off the field, family stuff, you know, with my mm-hmm. kids and all that stuff. I just I just wasn't there in the first part of the season, man. It was just I just wasn't there. And then I don't know what clicked for me to the point of just saying, look, I gotta get myself back because I just wasn't there mentally. Like I was depressed, man. I was going through a whole bunch of stuff. Right before the season started. So like for me, people don't understand like that that year was one of my hardest years mentally than any other year that I've I've had playing ball. Cause I was just I was just going through a lot of stuff off the field. And um man, I don't be honest with you, man, I don't know what clicked that Austin during that season. It was like I think it was like week four. I think we're playing the Raiders. And something just clicked for me. I just like I just gotta go play ball. I think I got my first pick. of this against the Raiders against Dante Cole Pepper. Then I think three weeks after that, it was against Matt Shaw with the two picks, one for a touchdown, and a farmer curve for a touchdown that game. And then after that, it was just it just kept coming. It was that week. Then the following week, it was going to uh, Minnesota having an interception return for a touchdown. You know, it was just it was just stuff that just kept going and going and going. I want to point of just saying something that just clicked for me. I just like for me, I just, I think I put myself in a, when I got to, when I got myself in the building, I had to separate myself from my, my life and with my off field life to my, my, my infield life. And the person that honestly that helped me with that, uh, Pat Pino, K Rock. <laughs> K Rock was the person that helped me. That. That's why me and he'll tell you, man, K Rock relationship was crazy. <laughs> But he's the person that helped me, man. Like, get me back to where I needed to be. Like, a lot of people don't know, man. Like, I was I was lost, bruh. And he's the person that actually like helped me the most um, from a mental standpoint. Just get me back to get me back to some kind of normalcy back in my life during that time. So it was just like for him, he spent man. He I used to stay the night at his house just because man, I just didn't know what I was gonna do. Like that's the kind of coach I had. Like that's why. Like, when me and Pat Peace, I was in 14, how we used to cuss each other out. That was just our <laughs> relationship.
1: Hey, Crow, you was cussing coaches out left and right, though. You were doing it with Florida State. <laughs> no, <Nah>, but... <bro>. <laughs> 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 That's just who you, you cuss a coach out quick. you like, what? <laughs> Damn, you're tripping. Just cuss a coach out real quick.
3: <laughs> but it was just like, you know, during that time, it was just... For him, it was just like, he just wanted to make sure I was cool. And you yeah. see that from a coach, man. You just want to go out and go play... Uh, play your best for him. And that's and that's something I just went on and did. It wasn't nothing that point saying that it's click. It was just a point I had I had that support. I had that supporting cast that I didn't have my first year and part of my first part of my, my part of my second year until, you know, he came into the until he came into the picture, man.
2: Nah man, shout out Coach Rock. He's definitely one of my all time favorite uh defensive back coach in the league for sure. Hey, but also in two thousand seven you had a, a, 109 missed field goal return. Mm-hmm. Who was that against? Minnesota. Okay. That, Minnesota. Was, that, that, that Minnesota. was Minnesota. So that's what I, that's what I, what does it mean to you to have a record that would never be broken unless the size of the football field changed?
3: <laughs> <The, laughs> honestly, I ain't even know I, let me tell you, let me tell you how clueless I was when it happened though. I'm just thinking I just returned the kick. I ain't thinking none of it. Like I ain't right, not right. thinking like, and, Coaches no cuts in my halftime. Like, you set a record. I'm like, what you mean? Like, I just returned the kick. What you mean? Nah, he was like, look, your foot is dang near on the line. Like, there's no other play that's ever going to go this that's go that's way. No. Like, bro, you going to be in the – hall. your stuff is going to the Hall of Fame. You ain't you never got to worry about nothing. I ain't think nothing of it, be honest with you. But it was just like, dang, I ain't – it's just a football play. Like, you don't think nothing of it. You just think like you just trying to make a play for your team. Mm-hmm. And honestly – Man, to this day, like everyone asks me, what's my favorite play? That's my all-time favorite play, yeah. just because the situation is, I think what we, we tied seven-seven, and then we go up, we go up fourteen-seven or something like that, right before halftime, yeah. and it was just that part of the game. It's like, man, we were not doing nothing. Like, yeah. right. we were, offense won't move, you know, defense right. defense gonna stop Adrian Peterson.
1: Yeah, Adrian that Peterson a record that day. Uh, yeah, 296. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <296. laughs> like, two ninety-six. Yeah, two ninety-six.
2: Two ninety-six.
3: Man, and it was just something like when you look back on it, man, you're like, dang, okay, then, cool. Like, stuff still, still, still up there at the, at the at, in Canton. So he's just like, man, that, that's beautiful because this is like, you know, I could take my kids up there and go see it. Nah, man, they can be like, okay, yeah, he, you did play football, like, you know,
1: yeah, I know, I did. Like, <laughs> hey, that, that's gonna be there forever. Did you realize you were an inch away from being out of bounds though when you made the catch? Because, like. Like your coach said, when we watch the replay, your heel is like right there on the line, on the line. Did you realize exactly
3: where you were on the field? Well, I knew where I was because it was funny. But I was I was climbing with the ref. I was like, I'm gonna, if he kicked this ball to get anywhere near this goal post, I'm jumping up and I'm blocking it. He's like, I'm gonna count the points so it don't matter. Yeah, but it was just like I didn't know. I just you know what I'm saying my point was I was just gonna just leap up as high, high as I can get it and see where where if I land on that bounce, I land out of bounds. But my thing was not to make sure they ain't score no points. I ended up landing in the bounds and the rest was history.
2: Yeah.
1: No question. That
2: was big, man. I, I remember watching that play and seeing that kind of, you, you're talking about your 400 meter uh, track days. It kind of put me in the mind of you hitting that corner, which you said. Uh, uh, yes, sir. 169 That's meters. Right. That's right. <laughs> That's the only this. thing
3: I thought about, <laughs> hey, I get that little bend and once I hit that curve, yeah. I was moving.
2: <laughs> no question. Yeah,
1: we definitely saw that. And then a few le- years later, after that play in 2007, 2010, uh, you get traded to the New York Jets. Uh mm-hmm. you No, know, what was the, what was going through your mind when that happened? Did you know you potentially could be traded? And, and if you didn't know, were you surprised? Or did you feel some type of way with the organization?
3: Uh, no, I asked to be traded. Okay. I asked to be traded. And, um, and why uh,
1: you asked to be traded? It just went, it went
3: right. It went right. It was, I need, I needed something new. Um, it was a lot, so much stuff that was going on. Um, The year that 2008, I fractured my hip. I I dislocated my hip and fractured my hip the very first game against North Carolina. And uh, they told me I had a a hip flexor strain. Like, bro, I don't have a hip flexor strain. Something's wrong. So I ended up going to get a second and a third opinion by some hip specialist. And they told me like, look, you fractured your hip. It just popped back in. So like, it was a lot of, distrust in, in, in the organization with the training staff and also just with the higher up. And I just felt like for me, it was time for me to go. Um, I had told my agent I was ready to go. Not only that, but you got to think during that time, like 2008, I had trade rumors in 2008. Um, I had trade rumors um, week eight, week seven, week week six, seven, and eight going into 2009. So for me, it was just like, all right, I'm cool. So after the season, um, we had an ex in me and I asked him for a trade. And it's like, "Crow, we're not gonna trade you unless we get something good out of it." But I was like, "Cool, well, y'all do let me know because I'm ready to go." Like my whole, my I never 2009 all season. I think I went to one practice. I didn't practice during minicamp. No nothing. I was there, but I never practiced because I just showed up because I didn't want that fine during that, uh, the minicamps. So it was it was time for me to go. I wasn't happy. I was just like, man, I, I got to get out of here. Like, I, I just didn't want to be there. So like, when I found out I was traded, I was kind of pissed because I was actually on a flight when I got traded. I was coming back from, uh, Atlanta back out to, back out to LA and my agent comes like, Hey, you been traded? I was like, okay, where I've been traded to. He's like, man, I've been trying to call you for the last three hours. I said, like, man, well, I'm on a flight. <laughs> It was like, man, it was either it was either Dallas or New York. And I was like, where I'm going? It's like, man, you going to New York. I was like, man, shit, I wanted to go to Dallas. It's like even the whole lot. It's like, crawl, the deadline, I had to get it in. I was like, man, all right, cool. We're going, we got Rex Ryan. So Oh,
1: so your agent was calling you to kind of get your opinion about Dallas or the Jets?
3: Dallas or the Jets, man. But and you, I, and I was you didn't the answer flight.
1: the phone, so I he picked the flight. Jets. Yeah. yeah, I
3: was on I was on a flight, so he picked the Jets because he felt like I was a better a better situation.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, wow, just, so you, you know, could have been a cowboy. Could have been a cowboy. Cause that was that year, you gotta think, Wade Phillips was there. Yep. So Wade Phillips was my, was my coach my rookie year. Mm-hmm. So with him having that and having that background with me, it was, that would have been easy for me. But honestly, the Jets, the Jets, I knew something was gonna happen with the Jets, <laughs> be honest with you, when we played them in the playoffs. I simply told Rex, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a Jet next year. That's exact, my exact words when I saw him. I said, I'm probably going to be a Jet next year. He's like, well, shit, bring your ass on!" <laughs> I'm trying to get the hell up out of here. I told I told Coach Wade that, too, in the playoffs. I'm going to say in the preseason. But so we played the Cowboys in San Diego every single year during the preseason. That's not a year that we, ain't, we didn't play them. So it was like either there or, or there. I was trying to get the hell up out of there. I wasn't even lying to you. I just was unhappy, man. Then all only that, but the defense coach uh, Rivera had changed the whole entire defense to a cover two defense. It's like, man, I don't I don't play cover two. Like that's not that's not something I like to play. I'm not going to sit back in the zone and just watch and and, and react. Nah, that's I want to get up in the face and go jam. So, like he took over 2008 and ran the same defense as Ted Karrer because that's what everybody ran. Once he got the full rounds of the head, of the DC job, it was. All cover two. So, cover two, cover four, and I and that was something I, I didn't want to be a part of.
2: So how was it when you finally got to New York teaming up with Darrell? Uh how did you guys work together and push each other?
3: Man, honestly with Darrell, it was dude, the way that dude practiced, it was it was something I, I, I didn't see. I, I haven't seen from a teammate. Like, you know, you come, you see Jammer, Jammer practice, but the way Reed practiced, man, it was it was different, dog. It was right. like, bro, you finna, you in a you in the street alley fight, one on ones, seven on seven with him every single play, and you don't see that, like, so, so it's like, okay, if he gonna play, if he gonna practice like this, I gotta step my game up because I can't be sitting over here lagging and and, and think just because I'm athletic and everybody else, I can do what I want to do. So right. honestly, during that time is when I actually learned how to play DB, like. My time in New York, I actually learned how to play D because I was so used to having Sean Manners, Sean Phillips, Jamal Williams, uh, Igor Oshansky, uh, Cooper, and all those guys with the, with the pass rush in San Diego. It was easy. I mean, I can sit back at seven, eight yards and just, all right, cool. Quarterback will be giving the ball in two seconds, so I ain't got to move. And when I got to New York, boy, I had to learn how to play corner for real. I'm talking about just get back, get, learn how to get back into my back puddle and everything. So during that time, I had to really learn how Rick Sherman wanted me to play and how Coach uh, Dennis Thurman wanted me to play during that time.
1: You know, speaking of Revis, uh last year, I think you guys had a back and forth on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he had some things to say about Richard Sherman, and you kind of you know spoke out, kind of on Richard Sherman's behalf, but can you explain that little back and forth you and Revis had?
3: message like little brother, big brother talk. I mean, it was just a point that he got to understand, like, you can't sit here and try to trash a man that's having a better year nine than what you had in year nine. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't sit there and talk about another man. Like, I, we've been to that point. Like, bro, we too prone for that. Like, we get it. Like, he called himself the best quarter dude. Like, hey, he's been consistent in in this defense. You can't sit here and ask a man to, to follow somebody when he, that's not what they're asking him to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they're not asking you to follow you, why, why go out and go try to compete with somebody that don't follow Like We know what you did, Reed. 2009, nobody can ever take that away from you. Uh, yeah, 2009, the year that he had in 2009. Right, nobody would ever take that. It's one of the best years a quarterback can ever have in NFL history. We're not taking that away from you. But don't knock another man for what he do. And that took me, for me to just grow up, because I was a person in Richard Sherman, I think it was 2012, the re- year Revis tore towards ACL saying the same thing, like, man, this dude don't follow nobody. But, like, me being retired and watching this man play, you can't knock that man for what he's doing. The man's playing, he was playing on a high level. He, he not, he not asked to follow nobody. He take care of his side and do what he's supposed to do. So that was the that was the exchange between me and Rebus. And I think one of the things he said was, uh, man, ain't nobody ain't say nothing when uh, Coach uh, Rex Ryan and DT cut to him and said, we got to put the cover on on uh, uh, we gotta put the safety on Crow's side. I said, but I had to go back and go watch film for a minute for for a second. But I was like, hold up, what man? If you watch film, man, it's the safety over his side. I ain't, I'm covering number two. I ain't never have a safety over the top of me unless it was covered two. And see, I'm the kind of person I ain't want to call them out because I could have called them out easily. And I, I'm like, man, all right, I'm gonna let you have your little joy, but I ain't gonna call you. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna say what I really want to say about you because. We All know who you really are. What you, you, know, really like, huh? <laughs> you really want to say about him,
1: huh? I said, What you really want to say about him?
3: You ain't gonna bait me, you ain't going bait me. It was what just a like, bro, you could have got my number from anybody else. Yeah, you know what I'm I'm like, if you wanted to say something to me, don't say it on social media because. I, if I would have said what I really wanted to say, bro, you would have got pissed off and been ready to fight. And you know, I'm about that life. So I ain't, I wasn't worried about that. Yeah. But it was just a point of just understanding like, bro, like you can't knock somebody for what they are doing. Like be happy that the man is actually holding up on a position. That's already hard to play as it is. And be consistent as he is year in and year out. Don't knock the man. Congratulate the man. Like leave whatever y'all beef y'all have. Like, bro, that was 2012. <laughs> Leave it alone, man. It's almost eight years ago.
1: You know, them, boy, yeah, them boys been beefing for quite some time. It seemed like that. Yeah, You beefing for eight years? Come <laughs> on, man.
2: Bro, so that, you too old for that. The next question. Next question. Is there more beef or more brotherhood in the cornerbacks in today's game? Mm.
3: More brotherhood. I would say more brotherhood because, yeah. man, you got to think, man. You got everybody talking about, oh, I'm the bestest. You don't hear that no more, really. Yeah. Honestly, I don't hear. I mean, you hear from commentators and stuff but i don't like for me i think people know at the end of the day like hey everybody gotta do their job the way they gotta do it like and ain't no. to me if you're doing your job the right way consistently then you may be considered as one of the best at this point in time but every single year we gotta think every single year they're saying somebody is the best differently every single year so how can you yeah. really call yourself the best if they saying there's, there's another great cornerback on, on this play i mean say and in, and in, in on this team and they calling him the best in the league but you also calling yourself the best in the league so yeah. it's like every year we got somebody new you know like i always tell people all the time it's the people that do it consistent for me like You got to do it consistently. You can't do it a one year and two year and then you want to call yourself the best. I need you to have four, five years, six years going into it. Like you can't say and call yourself the best if you can't do it consistently. You can't be inconsistent. You got to have consistent years of doing what you're doing year in and year out. And you get the respect from your peers year in and year out.
1: No question. Last question regarding the Jets. We're going to move on. What's going on with the Jets currently right now? I see you've been extremely vocal. You still got a lot of love for the Jets. Adam Gates, uh, you know, he's still what would you say? Hot garbage. <laughs> well, <laughs> we we all believe he won't be the head coach for the Jets in don't 2021. Well, he shouldn't. Well, you you know what, Crow, you're right, because don't be surprised. You don't see too many individuals that have a for real job. Fail at that one job, the, the 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 previous job, and get promoted. And he basically failed at the Dolphin job and got promoted, uh, with the Jets, to say the least. Mm-hmm. But what do you think the Jets need to have? What type of person the Jets need to have as a head coach going forward if they like to move on from Adam Gates?
3: You gotta move on from Adam Gates. I think you gotta just bring somebody in one that's true offensive minded. I think Adam Gates get gets the knock because he's so called coach. We all know he really did not coach Peyton Manning. And I think that the year that he had in Chicago with um Jay Cutler. I think yeah. that's what, 20, yeah. 20, 14, 15, something like that. Uh some some year with he had the year that he had with Jay Cutler, where Jay Cutler had a great year. Jay Cutler always had a, a bad year and then turn around and have a great year. That's nothing new. Jake that was how Jay Cutler was. That's what I, that's how his sister that's how he worked. But my thing was like I feel you need somebody that's one, if you're gonna drop the quarterback as in as in uh Trevor, like you gotta understand, or you're gonna keep Sam down you need somebody that can actually coach this dude. Don't bring in on your, your friends, your quarterback coach friend that don't know anything about quarterbacks and expect for this dude to excel in your offense. Like you're not gonna excel. Like that way, I think you gotta bring in. If you don't bring in an offensive-minded coach, bring him, bring him in. Let him, let him show him the success that he's had consistently in the NFL as an offensive coordinator, and 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 put him in that way. Like I honestly felt like, uh, if you was gonna hire your OC, you should have tried to steal North Turner away from everybody. Pay North Turner what he want. Mm-hmm. and watch what he's done. I mean, he's done it with Alex uh, Alex Smith. He's done it with. Phillip Rivers, he's done it with man. You can name any. I mean, say uh, what's that? Troy Aikman, all them boys. He's been done it consistently as an offensive coordinator. He's not a great head coach, but he's one hell of a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator. Why we're not Why we're not going after these people? Not only that, but you had a chance to hire Mike McCarthy last year. I don't know what he would have did defensively. and Who else he would have hired? But with young quarterbacks and having somebody like Aaron Rodgers and Sam Donald has can make every single throw in the NFL, why you don't hire a guy like that that has success with like a guy like Aaron Rodgers? Sam Donaldson ain't nothing but a gunslinger anyway, but he can run the ball. He can do whatever he wants to. So you can run RPO and do everything with him too. So my best bet, if you got a guy like that and you're going to go get Trevor Lawrence or somebody, man, they better bring in Eric the Enemy or they better go get Josh Daniels.
1: Well, they they look like they're gonna have the number one pick. So, dang yeah, it, they Listen, as I saw what I saw two weeks ago with
3: Greg Williams and Cover Zero and that corner out there, <laughs> they was out there. But they was out there. Listen, they threw the game. <laughs> they, they got extra money on the
1: side. Literally, <laughs>
3: I ain't jumping no double move in Cover Zero.
1: Be back. We talk about that. I said I would have called time out. Coach, you tripping? <laughs>
3: So, we fact, hey, i'm gonna back up to the goal line because i know where you're going it's only 14 seconds left
1: you go run deep yeah. and, you, and they had a guy they there running forward to a legit forward to a legit yeah, forward to and i
3: ain't running with him i'm calling time out
1: no question put me in two men with a
3: hip over the top
2: right. yes sir especially in that situation hey uh so Crow, when you uh when you kneel and raise your fist during the national anthem um with the coach in 2016 mm-hmm. um I know you've been very vocal about um wait, raising awareness and being behind Colin Kaepernick and his whole uh fight. What were you looking to get out of that when you uh when 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 you did kneel? and um took Honest,
3: honestly it was just bringing awareness man um for me it was just I got six sons man and eight daughters man black you know what I'm saying there ain't no it's just like, when you look at that situation, man, you ain't thinking about nothing like that, man. Like, I grew up in the hood. I know what it's like to be held at gunpoint, have a gun in your face by a police officer, and you ain't did nothing. But get pulled over, they, when they want to say you got a broken like when your taillight ain't even broken. So I understand that. I understand like, you, we got to give uh, the people the voice that don't have a voice. And we have a move in a certain way, like, people have to understand so NFL is 70, 73% black. Could you imagine all 73% selling the NFL? They're not going to play because they're not, they're not being, they're not taking awareness of what we take serious with our neighborhoods, with our with our community. You would rather say we are entertainment rather than saying, look, what can we do to help? You know? And now I feel like it's, it's a game to, to, to the NFL. It's a, it's right now, I, I truly feel what they're doing is more political, is more, uh, for their own, for their own doing, for their, for, you know, t- to make them make more money, to make them more profitable in that way, the way they're doing it now. Cause you gotta think right now, taking the years, the most coolest thing now, What is the most hated thing four years ago. So why is it so cool now and it wasn't so cool back then? What's the difference in four years that now change your mind when you do not want to listen to anything, any other thing the players were saying? You know, and that's what I mean. Like, we got to understand, like, what we stand for as a black community and what we got to look forward to because people can play this game with you and they'll look at it as, oh, you know, we really there for you. But realistically, man, it's it's capitalism. They capitalize off all this stuff, and that's and that's how I feel. What's going on with the NFL and what they're doing
1: now, uh, with with everything that's going on. Crow, do you believe your career ended instantly because you decided to kneel when you were with the Colts? One hundred percent.
3: I'll say that's seventy five percent of the other other twenty five percent. I'll probably say because of my age, man. Mm-hmm. I just I just been real. I was what thirty thirty three years old. Yeah. That and man, I, you know, y'all know me, man. I'm, 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 I'm outspoken. So I'm not going to hold my tongue for anybody. If I feel like you are wrong, I'm going to call you out. That's just always been me. And you got a guy like that in your locker room that can influence younger guys that I'm going to bring you in because they're going to be like, okay, well shoot, we got to cut the head. We got to cut the head of the snake off before we even get this thing started mm-hmm. because of the influence that he brings into the locker room you bring in too much influence man and it pulls people a certain way and it's not to the likes of everybody else that's the way they get rid of you
2: yeah yeah well crow we're gonna jump into um a little softer side of our uh interview <laughs> we're gonna jump into our superlatives we're gonna ask you some rapid fire questions and you just give us your best answer back mac you want to nice. take the first
1: one all right first one crow kenny moore from the colts had a outstanding one-hand interception Against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, that, I want to talk about that, uh, Peyton Manning one-handed interception you had against the Colts, uh, Sunday night football. You had three, matter of fact, that ball game, if I'm not mistaken, right in 2007, you had yeah. three. But that one-handed interception, would you say, would you, would you say that's the best interception you ever made in your life? No. Well, So that's not the best interception you, you've ever made. You got one better than that? Yeah, in Price, in Arizona.
2: What <laughs> Pat, you remember that one in
1: practice?
2: I'm trying to. Uh, remember? That was against Ted.
3: Ted Gant in the end zone.
2: Ted Gant in the end zone. Was that in the corner?
3: Yeah. And
2: did you, did you catch it like kind of like this and like yeah your feet in? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, that was cool. That was. Cool. That was my, better than
3: better than the one against. Yes, they, uh, my, most my my best piss <laughs> my best piss being in practice.
2: Yeah, because he had to get his feet down in the corner of the end zone. And the way he caught it, yeah, it, it it was it was it was stupid.
1: Man, I <laughs> wish we could get some footage of that.
2: Yeah, I I know exactly what he's talking about now.
3: <laughs> Man, listen, that Kenny Moore pick because you got to think realistically, he was beat.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was that seven I, cut I, behind him. I, I talked to him about five eight. <laughs> yeah, and you see how how high he elevated off the ground because he yeah, he caught this. He caught it like this. Man, he caught that thing with,
3: like sitting out yeah. like, right here. I'm like, man. Yeah, that, was, that pick, man, listen, that
1: pick was sick. Pat, what's, what's the best interception you, you've had? Pat, I always trying to catch one handed uh, picks though.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's all I, that's what I, I, hey, that's how you get on Sports Center. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my best one hand pick was in practice too, man. It was my rookie year, actually. And, uh, it was in front of my, uh, my general manager, Rod Graves at the time and, we was running like a trap coverage. Uh, I believe it's like called clamp or something like that. And the outside, what clamp is, it's kind of like a, you read reading two. If two don't come out, you pretty much trail man underneath yeah. or whatever. So my guy ran a dig and, uh, they ran a dagger. So two ran at the seam. My guy ran a dig. I'm sitting at five yards, funnel them inside. So now I trailed up underneath them. Now I'm breaking it. And as soon as I looked back, the ball was coming. And I kind of caught the pit like, uh, uh, Kenny Moore. and It just, it just stuck to my hand. And when I caught it and started running back to the end zone, the Rod Gray just dropped his clipboard and walked in the building. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I remember coach Wilkes, man. He used to get upset with me because I, I used to catch one hand, uh, pits in practice. He's like, man, we don't practice that. Catch the ball. on purpose.
3: He was listening. Listen, yeah. listen Wilkes used to do the same thing with me in 2000. <laughs> I almost thought Wilkes, man.
2: I'm like, man, I'm catching the ball. Did <laughs> uh, I remember he, one he, time you got everything. pissed at me and told me don't do it? So he made he made like this big scene in team in team meetings, like, yeah, we don't practice this. Da 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 da. Soon as we go back out to practice, the first pick I catch with one hand. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which used to get on. Wilts Wilt was my <laughs> was my coach in 2009, uh the DB coach of <laughs> the Chargers. Man, he he used to get on me about the same thing. I'm like, yes. bro. How many, I used to ask him, how many picks do you got in the NFL? L-
1: <laughs> hey, well, Coach, hey, Crow, you know you be disrespectful to them coaches, man.
2: Yeah, you do, man. So, Crow, what's the best secondary you ever played on, pro or college?
3: The best secondary I played on? I would probably say it got to be Arizona. Just from what we had in the secondary from Tyron to you to um, to Rashard, Rashard. To, yeah. you know, to, to J.P., uh, to Bethel, to Tony, Tony Jefferson, uh, to, to Buck, all of us. I mean, you got, that was a young secondary, man. And, and yeah. you look at everybody now nah, and what we done and what y'all doing now, Right, it was sick.
1: I just, I, got, weird. I forgot all them names were in that secondary day. I thought you <laughs> might have said
3: the Jets. Man, nah. I was, too. Listen, I'm not, no, my best secondary was Arizona that one year, yeah. but I ain't never. Hey,
2: we had a good time too, dog.
3: <laughs> I ain't never been around a secondary like this, bro. Like, I mean, you gotta think, I was the oldest one in the, I was the oldest one.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Me, Everybody else is basically five years and under. Yeah. You're right. So it's like, okay, man, these, man, these young dudes out here killing it. He got tired out here just <laughs> doing what he want to do, man. And then you, you, you had Tony Jeff and man, the smartest dude, hands down.
2: Oh, out Rashard, dude. Rashad Johnson. I already know you. Yeah.
1: Rashad got to be the only say Rashard, can wear 49. Rashad used to get me right. Hey, bro, hey, here
3: it comes. Man, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> right, like, I've never seen somebody that can recognize a player as quickly as he does.
1: Yeah, he was doing I that mean, at Alabama, too.
2: Position, uh, that pick six you had, I forgot who was playing. He was like, crow. I'll never forget who it was. He uh, like, crow, they come out in this set. I want you to sit and crew ain't back up one bit. Caught that thing. That boy took that thing to the house. He showed it high so everybody know he got it.
3: <laughs> you know it Listen, man. <laughs> man, it was just—it's it, just crazy how you can be around certain guys that man. You are like, okay, this, this dude football IQ is is stupid. Yeah, like, I was a person that studied film so much, bro. I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. But like, you got it from somebody else that's on the back end. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. makes your job that much easier. It makes it a whole lot easier. And that's, and that's what he did, man. I was, I was so pissed that we, that we let him walk because he was,
3: man, uh, I knew I was, I I knew I was gone when they came in the office like, Hey, Crow, thanks for having you. You know, you had a heck of a year. That was it. That was the end of my conversation. (laughs) It wasn't no, it wasn't no, Hey, you know, we want to try to bring you back. It wasn't none of that. It was, Hey, Crow, thank you for your services. We'll holler at you.
2: Because what you you had three picks that year, right? Or four? Four. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Six?
3: Was it three? I had two, what, two to I had three. Yeah, I,
2: knew
3: you. I had three. three I had four, two. Five. I had two to Philly game. Yeah. And I forgot what other game. I had one in the preseason. That's why you're probably saying four. And then I had the farmer curve for a touchdown. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: You had three, one against Dallas, too.
3: That's the one I should have that's the oh, one I should've yeah. scored on.
2: Yep, yep. And that's that's the same game. I should have scored that block field goal, too. (laughs) Oh, we ain't going to talk about that. (laughs) I was fat, man. I was fat at the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Crow, so wide receiver you love to match up with before your time. So before you got into the National Football League, a wide receiver you would have loved to go against. Jay Rice. Uh Mm Uh-huh.
2: Same here. I mean, I I think that's every – Corners, like, dream matchup, though. Yeah. Going up against Jerry, seeing everything that he's done. And I think, honestly, Jerry, you know, watching those older uh, films, I think he was the only one that was running routes like that. I believe, like, he runs routes how today receivers run routes now. Oh, 100%. Pivots, the uh, the different angle routes they try to take on that back pylon. I didn't even know. They used to do that back in, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that fake fade, come down to the pylon. So yeah. you all the time with jerry and now you're seeing that come into the day's game so i definitely would i'm sure Mac is the same way i definitely would have loved to uh, match up against him probably the best Maybe technician
1: to ever play wide receiver yeah. back
2: yeah. F- favorite quarterback you had the opportunity to pick off brett Favre. Mm. Brett Favre what route yeah. was it
3: uh pivot route by lavernius Coles when he was with the uh, jets. Uh, you oh you picked had, up had some, uh,
1: brett when he was with the, the jets yeah I, jumped, yeah, I jumped, I jumped, I jumped over
3: Lavernus Coles and, and took it to the crib. That's when I waved to, uh, Leon Washington. I was like this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we <laughs> got, we got to get that highlight. Sweet. We got to, we got to get another, it.
2: another Florida state, another Florida yeah. state symbol. Semif-
1: Both of them Florida state <laughs> Coles and, and, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Lavernus is a uh, yeah. Florida state guy. Oh,
1: trouble. Yeah. yeah. Why receiver that talked the most trash to you that you really didn't like talked a lot of trash. Chad. Yeah, he talked a lot of trash, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chad. Yeah. Chad,
2: John. Only Chad
3: only- was hey, so Chad cool. was the worst, man. But he made it fun though, man. He talked yeah. a lot of trash, but boy, he made it fun. No
1: doubt. Yeah.
2: Who's your favorite coach that you played for in the pros?
1: Mm. I'll say I have to say Rex. Rex looked like he was a player's coach. Hey man. Yeah.
2: Rex was
3: dude, Rex was just like, man, y'all, y'all go play ball. That's it. Go hey, go do what you go do and we we won't have no problems.
2: That's it. Hey Crow, yeah. hey, tell me if, if this if this story is true. They said Rex, somebody I can't remember who it was, had a somebody had a bad practice or whatever. And he came into the team meeting the next day with a dildo or something like that.
3: Oh man, no. <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> All right, so then, I wasn't there. So this okay. is this is two thousand nine. And somebody, I think somebody did have a bad game. And from my understanding, Kerry Rose like, "Oh, look at the girth on that thing!" I said, "What? <laughs> oh man!" So did, so did that he. That was actually a true story. That's a true story. That's a true story. That's a true story. I man walked <laughs> in with the dildo and he get to somebody though. Whoa, whoa, whoa! So Rex walked in with the dildo. That's that's what I heard.
1: He went, he I, TV, right?
3: That was Rex's first yeah, year. A, and and what was story. said about the deal though? Somebody said, well, I already said his name. Carroll. <laughs> <said, laughs> yeah, man, look at look the on that thing. Wow. Man. All yeah, right. that's the thing I said when I heard the story.
1: I was like, <laughs> oh,
2: okay. Top five corners ever.
1: Yeah, I want to hear this top. Let me hit this list. Top five corners ever. To play in the National Football League. Uh, you know
2: you, you know you watch some ball. You're a, a student of the Leon,
1: game. Okay. That's one. Mel Blunt. Two. Mm-hmm. Lester Hayes. Three. Oh, yeah. Mike Haynes. Four. Charles Wilson. Oh, that's a mean five.
2: That's a good list. That's a great list. <laughs> Pat, who,
1: who be your top five, Pat?
2: Uh, all, Honestly, all of those names in my in my fifth, man, it's tough. But, I mean, me, I was a, a Champ Bailey guy. Mm-hmm. I just love Champ Bailey, the way he way he was able to play. Because, to me, Champ Bailey, he was just, just like Charles Woodson, But I think Champ was a little bit more athletic. But um, just the way he was able to play press and off, I thought Champ was a very, very well-rounded corner that had speed, athleticism. Football IQ mm-hmm. and just had that that fast twitch muscle, you know what I mean? Just he would just just look so smooth and clean all the time. So um, yeah. my 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 fight would be between Champ and um and Charles for sure.
1: I think Champ probably had arguably the best corner, best DB career, the length, yeah. you know, playing yeah. corner and then transitioning into safety and just still being able to play that at a high level.
2: That Champ gave up what it was crazy, like twenty catches or something like that
1: champ champ, champ is putting some work bro.
2: it was something crazy and he had like six picks or something like that
1: yeah it champ was the first stupid. one to see a 60 million dollar deal i think he signed like a six yeah. year deal for like 63 back mm-hmm. in the day it, it,
2: yeah then, was then the nate first? clement came behind him with the i'm about to say yeah
1: nate came out with the 80 uh-huh. yeah <laughs> nate came after <laughs> champ though with san yeah, fran the when champ. they took him yeah. from yeah. buffalo yeah yes. when uh-huh. nate came with that weird that crazy number we're like man what the freak's going on <laughs> man. Man, back the in the day. Then them numbers got reset real quick. Real quick. Yeah. My t- my top daily, five would be I throw Prime in that number one. Freaking Rob Woodson. Mm. Two. Third. I'm a Night Train Lane fan. Mm. So they I know. go Night Train Lane Start with the guys. Lions. War eighty one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Fourth. What? Well, I want to miss somebody. I know they're gonna attack me if I miss somebody. Shh. Who I'm talking about, I got Rod, uh, I got Prime, Night Train Lane. I'll probably go, i probably go yeah, Champ and Green in two, man. I forgot about Dale Green. Man, I'm,
2: <laughs> too, <yo. laughs>
1: man, that's a tough one. i probably say Champ as as C Wood. Also, I'm a Seawood fan, so I'm a bit biased. You know what I mean? That's why I almost went to Michigan because of Charles Woodson. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, almost. That's why I almost ended up in Ann Arbor. but ain't no wrong list in the top five, yeah. especially if you starting with prime. So, it it it, it that's how you, that's what you gotta start with. That's yeah. that's what you gotta start with, Crow. Before we let you go, man, we know you got a lot going on right now, currently in life. We know you're watching a lot of ball, but feel the listeners and viewers in are currently about what you got going on and what are your your long term goals being done with the game.
3: Man, right now, what I got going on, let me be honest with y'all, man, I'm trying to get a head coaching job at UNLM.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh, I'm just like, look, I mean, I mean, the opportunity is there, man. I mean, you got to think it's all about, like I said, I try to tell people, man, it's all about capitalism at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. right now, a lot of these schools are trying to, uh, um, one, they're trying to add in a minority coach as much as possible because they're not getting the opportunity in college football or NFL. So you're going to see a lot more. Black coaches get a lot more uh, head coaching jobs, defensive coordinator jobs, offensive coordinator jobs just because of what's going on in this world. So it's like, why not? You know what I'm saying? Like the way everything has been going so far in this year, uh, you ain't got nothing to lose. So why not go after a head coaching job or a defensive coordinator job? You know, and that's just how I feel. I feel like L M would be a perfect spot for me just for the simple fact Um one, my name is still relevant in the football world. I can go out and go recruit. I can hire the staff that I want to throughout the whole entire thing. And it'll just give me uh, a better opportunity at a starting point of understanding exactly uh, how to go about the business. So for me, that's, what, that's where I'm looking to uh, put my name in and now actually already been in contact with them uh, to try to get the head coaching job there. Wow. Well, that's
1: breaking right there. All things covered. Appreciate the inf- the information. Coach Cromarty. That's what they, are gonna call you Coach Crow or Coach Cromarty? Coach Crow, though. You know. Coach he, Crow. Coach Crow.
2: Coach Crow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, hey, Crow, man, we appreciate you joining us here on All Things Covered, man. Outstanding episode, man. And good luck with that coaching career. Uh, whenever okay. you get ready to break the news, man, make sure you let us know so we can all support you. I got you. 100%. Bro. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks again to our boy Antonio Camardi and thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of All Things Covered. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with you next Tuesday where you can expect All Things will be covered. Peace. Peace.